0: hello, hello, and uh, welcome to another episode of the Sandcap Guide podcast. I'd like to welcome our good friend, uh, Rogan White here. Rogan, and uh, we go back a few years. Rogan is actually the real estate sales and bro- and uh, manager out on Newsepper Island. He's also happens to be the broker out there, and he's also the membership director. So this is a man wearing many hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, we a met busy through man. a very busy man. We met through real estate photography. In our other lives as photographers, we've been doing real estate photography out in USEPA for many years for Rogan, and uh, we've we've uh, got to know each other rather well over the years. You might know Rogan's father or be aware at, le- at the very least of his uh, his uh, talents as a writer and uh, Randy Wayne.
1: White. White.
0: I can never say it. Dad it's, has trouble saying his own name. He has accomplished <laughs> <a, laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And actually, let's start with that. I know that's because it was a story that you told me that uh, actually sticks out. Um, it, tell me about your dad and finishing the books, and because you, you got brothers, and mm-hmm. tell us about growing up and how your dad writing books, and he used to get you to finish them, didn't he? Tell us us that story. No, it it was a blast growing
2: up. Uh, Dad, he's a fantastic author. Uh, He's always been uh, a skilled wordsmith. Uh, And I found that by, you know, I found his, or at least my mom's high school yearbook. They were high school sweethearts. And I read what my dad wrote. And they were complete sentences. And they made perfect (laughs) sense. For a boy in high school. It flowed. And so that was... Uh, eye-opening for me to see that. Oh okay, so this talent is something that existed. Right, yeah. you don't just create it. But is he from uh, Ohio?
1: Where did he go to?
2: Originally from Ohio, oh, yes, and moved down here in the uh, mid '60s. Gotcha. So um, he went
1: to high school here, or high school in Ohio?
2: No, high school in Ohio. Right. And when he turned 18, uh, he went out on his own and ended up uh, living around Fort Myers Beach, actually near the uh, the shrimp boats there. Yeah. And he started working for the uh, Fort Myers News Press and among other things. But when we were growing up, he was a travel writer uh, for Outside Magazine, um, Reader's Digest, Men's Health, Men's Journal, you name it. Uh, and he would be sent on assignments and, and specifically for Outside Magazine. His shtick, was being a middle-aged man, middle-aged American, traveling essentially to the armpit of the earth. (laughs) So he would go on assignment in really bad places and just kind of fumble through them. And, you know, there there would usually be a focus. And it was really some of the best writing of his that I've ever read. And I I think that really exists, his monthly articles for outside. But he would find an excuse for if, if the assignment was safe enough. And if he could get my brother and I out of school, he would take us. So we spent a month in Australia. We went to South Africa. We went all over the place with him. Wow. And all along, he tried to in- involve us in whatever he was up to. And he's busy. I mean, he was running fishing charters. Right, because that was
1: his other life, too, was actually mm-hmm. was as a at, charter fisherman.
2: In Tarpon Bay Marina before uh, it became a federal right. pr- preserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was a functioning marina with liveaboards, fishing guides, fuel, yeah. and and, your, and all the rest. So that, one of those. Yeah. that's where he guided out of. So he was fishing over 300 days a year wow. while trying to get books published all while being a traveler. Right. right,
1: now. And a family man. <laughs> yes. While, right.
2: while having two young boys and, and a wife. So he was busy. So he tried to bring us along as often as possible and involve us. And, that's awesome. and at one point, and I don't remember which book it was, um, my brother and I uh, mentioned to him, well, could we at least write the last word? That way we could say <laughs> that we finished a book. Mm-hmm. And that's how it started. So ever since then, whenever he's wrapping up a book, he would uh, bring us into his office and tell us what to write, and we would finish the books. And then, <laughs> as my brother and I grew up and kind of moved off between school and work, you know, the the effort to go about it changed. He would either text us or email <laughs> us, and, and we would email it back. But the, tra- <laughs> the tradition continued.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Right.
2: So, it, it's, it was a childhood that at the time I didn't really recognize Appreciate, was probably. unique. But yeah. You know when you when you spend your vacations loading up little john boats to take to the everglades and camp on remote (laughs) islands or you travel to cuba or do certain things like that it was normal to us at the time but now looking back i have two two young boys and
0: i'm i mean i'm nervous to take them to the store sometimes (laughs) You know, oh, it's wow. So just in case you've, you've been living under a rock, give us a little synopsis about Randy Wayne Ro- White. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does the same thing. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he does the same thing. So it's uh, how many books? 26 is it? that was no. it? I th- I think you're about
2: right, and I'm and counting n- and and counting, and they they range from uh, fiction and nonfiction. He's most most widely recognized because of the Doc Ford series of books, and yeah. and now many people recognize Doc Ford more as a, a restaurant, restaurant than as books. But fewer people are eating these days, and they're eating just as much or more. <laughs> uh, so he, his his nonfiction work. Uh, he has a series of essays out uh, through it's four or six books I forget uh, but the nonfiction essays are reminiscent of his uh, days traveling uh, gotcha. as as a travel writer and he's he's done some very interesting things he he knows a lot of very interesting people and these very interesting people have been involved in our lives from the start and again it was one of those situations where everything's normal but you know when you're eight years old and you go to Cabbage Key and John Kennedy Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. pull up on a on a oh scarab God. cigarette boat to okay. have lunch with you. That was normal to us. <laughs> right. Wow. Today we look back and
0: it's just like, what in the world was dad doing rubbing shoulders with those people? Right. Yeah, seriously. That's, so cool. That's incredible. I I have, mean, Doc Ford is actually one of the characters in one of the books. Right. That, and so what I, mean. I like
1: about your dad's books is he they're fictional books but then he interweaves the real locations and things and uh, about this this area so
2: right. they they're set in uh, the Sanibel Captiva uh, islands right. uh, although you know different names he Dink- changed his Dinkins name is, Bay is in is fact Tarpon, Tarpon Bay, Bay right. uh, but they always go somewhere else and, and it's typically themed around locations where he's traveled Central South America. He spent a lot of time uh, in Central and South America in the 80s and early 90s. And so he he's brings his books back to those places. Right. Wow, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do, fantastic. Do
3: you know a Captain Mike Fury? Fury? Yeah. It sounds familiar, but I can't place it. Okay. My my best friend in college, his father was a fishing guide around the same time as your dad. Mm-hmm. He, he also claims that he helped, uh, he helped give your dad the idea of Doc Ford.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he very well could have. I
3: think they were editors on the newspaper or something together.
1: Huh.
2: Really? Yeah, I'll have to ask him about
3: it. I, yeah. I had
2: the the name does sound familiar. I just couldn't. He was a so.
3: captain, of fishing guide on Sanibel since before the bridge was here. Really, it's so here forever. Yeah. Well,
2: it's it, that network the the fishing guide network, whether it's today it's or still the same, ten, twenty it? years yeah. ago, it it's, it's always been a tight knit group. Really. Um, and especially back then, I mean, the, mm-hmm. all those guys were struggling for business. It was before, you know, of course, yeah. Sanibel really lit off. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When when Dad got into that business, it was not in an effort to become a fishing guide. In fact, he wanted to be a historical charter boat captain, shelling, sightseeing, dolphin tours, really? stuff that a guy from Ohio could do.
0: Right. right.
2: Um, the industry or couldn't do. <laughs> the industry wasn't that kind, though. So when he got connected with uh, Tarpon Bay Marina. Um, they were aware that he had a boat and he had a captain's license and he was willing and able to take shelling and sightseeing charters. But the owner of the Marina called him up with his first charter and said, I have four guys from Ohio and they want to catch snook. And dad said, okay, he had Can never caught a snook <laughs> in his oh, entire life. And so he did it. I mean, he, at that time, I don't know. I think my brother was born, but maybe I hadn't. Um, but he was a struggling artist. I mean, he he needed to make money. I right. mean, we didn't grow up uh, as as a wealthy family. We grew up as a hardworking mm-hmm. family trying to make it. Yeah. Uh, so he accepted that charter and he said that they caught one fish. It was a catfish and it stung him through his thumbnail. <laughs> and and that was Dad's introduction into into fishing charters.
0: <laughs> Three hundred. That's so funny because the first time I ever went fishing here when we moved here and I think must have been nineteen ninety nine or whatever we got a small crappy boat that we went out fishing and i asked a fishing guide uh, oh i came back in i was working at sanibel printing and graphics and they had a printer as a part-time uh, fishing guide and i came back in all excited because i'd caught this catfish and he's like he said nick that's awesome and he said do you know when you do you know how you know if you're in the wrong place for catching fish and i said no how's that he said if you're catching catfish mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's uh, a yeah, fascinating story and please if anybody knows of anybody on the islands um that that could share in any of these stories or would think that they might be a good guest or know somebody that might be a good guest on the podcast please leave some uh, comments in the description below and if you like stories like this make sure you like and subscribe so that you get upcoming content but anyway that's an awesome story about your dad but let's get back to you because you really have a a story of your own, uh, starting off in the, the uh, FSU and then into uh, marine construction, and uh, tell us how you ended up out on USEPA. Yeah,
2: it was a bit of a journey. Um, I did go to Florida State. I, I attended. As did Max. I yep. wouldn't say I studied at Florida State. I went. <laughs> right. uh, and I, I really had no direction when I went, other than that's what society said you did after right. high school. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I did that. Um, But in 2004, Hurricane Charlie came and tossed a lot of things around here. And I was back home around that time. And my best friend growing up had been working for our friend's family business. uh, And that was marine construction. So my buddy was telling me about driving tugboats, doing dive work, running excavators, all sorts of fun stuff. And I just thought, why in the world would I go back to Tallahassee? when this opportunity's here. And the opportunity was a poorly paying hourly job of, of hammering <laughs> nails and toting Sweat.
0: really, really <laughs> heavy
2: right. lumber. But,
1: hammering your finger.
2: But the <laughs> benefits were all the fun things that we got to do, like running heavy equipment and getting on uh, scuba tanks and you know diving in really dangerous conditions. And that was fun. So uh, I, I worked in that industry for a couple of years and did a lot of things that... I never would have expected I I would be able to do as a twenty three twenty four year old yeah. I I mean I I I pushed a hundred foot long barge full of firework fireworks to Marco Island for the the Fourth of <laughs> July fireworks show Oh my goodness uh, on a tugboat that I had never run before because it had just been delivered from New Orleans Oh wow and I mean. That was sketchy at best. Yeah. Um, but it all went smooth and I got to watch a fireworks show uh from the wheelhouse of a tugboat oh, only wow. about thirty yards away from the barge. That's I mean cool. it, it was remarkable. Um and after that, uh I actually for a couple of years I was a fishing guide. Mm. And oh. and that was a target of mine. Growing up because dad was a fishing guide and right. I just saw how much fun that could be. And yeah, get a boat, take people fishing. It'll be great. <laughs> well, and well, the it's reality, not, it's, it's not great. great.
1: It's not great. <laughs> no, no, it's
2: it's not great. It's it's hard, 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 hard work. There's a lot of pressure. It's dependent on the climate. Yeah, both economic and and weather related. Yeah. And it's a job. And if you yeah. don't do it, you don't make money. So that novelty wore off after a couple years. <laughs> And uh, I, I bounced around a couple different places, but I, I ended up in the uh, Law Enforcement Academy. Uh, when I was single and had a chocolate lab living on Pine Island, I, I went through <laughs> the Law Enforcement Academy. And my target was to end up in FWC. Right. because I've been playing in the woods and on the water all these years. And I found all sorts of different ways to break the law. So why not find a way it's to fish and wildlife for those? That don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah. So uh, yeah, assign me a boat, a four wheeler and, and pay me a nominal sum and I'm yeah, worthy. I'll do it. I mean, for me, it's never really been money driven. It's, mm-hmm. it's been fun. Yeah. Right. Um, so I went through the, uh, LE Academy and I graduated from there and I started the application process with the state and at the same time I was working nights for a private armed security company to to build up my resume for L E. And because I was working nights but I had open days I wanted to fill up my days, and I found a Craigslist ad uh for a Bellman on UCEPA. Really? And so
1: I, describe, what, tell everybody where Yuseppa is, since, since we haven't actually said where the yeah, is relation is. Yuseppa
2: is a 100-acre private island uh, that's about a 10, 15-minute boat ride west from Pine Island. Uh, it's situated just east of Cabbage Key. Uh, if you've ever been on Cabbage Key at the restaurant and looked across the channel at the big white houses on the island across the way, that's Yuseppa. Right. Uh, so we'll put we'll flash up my map here for so that people can see right so, so it's, it's, the
1: bellman <laughs>
2: right crazy. so it, it's a private island club that caters both to residents of the island as well as a a, a collection of non-resident members kind of like a country club but thankfully without the golf um and and so there is a need for a bellman you know somebody to schlep bags and i was living uh, on pine island at the time and you know when you need to get an hourly paying job and you live on pine island but you don't want to dig holes or you know work in the kitchen of a restaurant you kind of got to think outside the box so i wasn't above carrying bags for wealthy people it's like so be it so so i started there and yuseppa is one of those places that has time has kind of stood still Mm -hmm. so a lot of the old tried and true practices of uh of of moving up in the world still remain where if you have a decent head on your shoulders and you keep showing up you got a good opportunity to move up the ladder so i did and after a couple years i was selling memberships for the existing membership director who had been there for 25 26 years or so he started as um a bus boy
0: really wow Wow.
2: yeah so he started training me on selling memberships and i said okay And he alluded to his retirement. So he suggested I get online and start the real estate classes. So I did. Uh, And then next thing I knew, uh, a couple months later, he said, I'm retiring, you better get your real estate. (laughs) So I I, I continued to work on that. And uh, I was lucky enough to have been uh, given that position as membership director and real estate sales agent. So uh, i started selling pa island real estate
0: wow mm-hmm. wow wow and how many how many uh, houses on the island just to give people an idea of uh, the island uh, has
2: 134 private parcels that uh, make up the original PUD. Um, so right now there's What's a PUD a, uh, planned unit development. Okay. Uh, so the, the, the community uh, was, uh, or at least the island, uh, created 134 private parcels that are owned fee simple. Uh, and over the course of the 80s and 90s, uh some of the early 2000s uh homes were built and they range from simple two-bedroom two-bath duplexes that are about 1400 square feet uh to opulent single-family homes that you know are five to well the largest house out there i believe is right around 9,000 square feet
0: but the the average is probably Mm 3,000 okay and then how many full-time residents
2: Just a small handful. Most people are uh, seasonal or Mm. periodic use.
0: And then how many staff coming out every day?
2: Uh, Our staffing right now is in the uh, 70s. Uh, For years and years and years, we maintained staff numbers between 50 and 60. Uh, But when 2020 reared its head, uh, we experienced a a lot of demand, and we've had to, to grow along with the uh, the demand and urgency for access so mm-hmm. um like so many people in the early stages of 2020 we were kind of sitting around looking around at one another <laughs> what's just what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and so, and before we knew it it happened and it, it came in the form of just a flood uh, of demand yeah. flood mm-hmm. of people just trying to find access mm-hmm. and there's actually the wh- some um some employee housing on the island there is yes uh some of our staff do live on island they're typically restaurant staff um because of the hours Mm -hmm. um and many of our restaurant employees uh, are seasonal restaurant employees who follow uh, the seasons and go to various clubs around the country Mm -hmm. um so it's it's a small group i mean we're a very tight-knit group of employees and uh you know keeping up with everything is tough running a restaurant on the mainland is one thing running a restaurant on a small island in the middle of pine island sound <laughs> right. is another
1: when you run out of
2: right and there's an there's a lot of moving parts i mean it's uh, we have landscaping department uh housekeeping department golf cart mechanic we make our own water so we have our own utility plant uh there's no septic so we have a, a sewage treatment plant and we have all the problems that you could ever imagine. And, oh, by the way,
0: everything has to come on island via boat.
1: Right. And just, so,
0: to, just to clarify, there's no vehicles on the island, only a couple of construction trucks. But, well, golf but carts. Golf carts. Right. Everybody right, yeah. Everybody
1: gets around by a golf cart. Right. Yeah. We're
0: not connected by roads. Um, all electric golf carts.
2: We've got a, a fire department, uh, which is staffed 24-7. So if there's an
3: emergency, you dial 911 and... Yeah. You know the firefighters come it's it's (laughs) is that really are they they must be are they double double as something else on the island
2: uh well in most cases we we have a group of you could call them volunteers but they're off-island firefighters who come out and provide coverage while we also have a a full-time chief and uh, assistant chief Hmm. so and they uh, live on the island they do yes really wow
1: So you have an interesting commute to work, which everybody would love to have. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, <as> well.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I live in Fort Myers, so I got to get myself to uh, Boquelia on Pine Island, and then I jump on a boat, uh, and it's about a 10, 15 minute boat ride to work every day. Yeah. So it's fantastic. Do you, do you drive, yeah. you drive to Boquelia? Yeah, I, I drive to Boquelia, and then I'll, I'll either run my boat, because uh, I have that option to be able to run my boat, or I can jump on one of our ferry boats um, so just depending on what the weather is yeah. and, and how badly I want to, uh, run my boat just kind of depends on how I yeah. get there.
0: And we could we Good go out, Max you. and I have been out, um, recently and we're, we're fortunate enough to live on the water. So we always go out by boat and what a fantastic ride it is out there. I definitely recommend it. And going on to that a little bit, how do, if you're a member of the public, uh, there are several ways to get onto the island, but how would you recommend what's the best way? There's a couple of charters that come out, isn't there or?
2: There are, um, there is a, uh, there's a longstanding relationship that we've had with Captiva Cruises out of mm-hmm. McCarthy's Marina and, and they do a good job running folks out to the island and, and into the restaurant. There's a, a select, uh, number of Captiva passengers that can, uh, can eat lunch in our restaurant and they can also go through the museum. The museum on, on Usepa is fascinating because the history of the island
1: Right. Goes can back he, as far as yeah, you can. see Yeah, speak to that as uh Starting with the Calusas.
2: You you can follow it back. Um And I don't really know where to start other than uh, there's a presence of archaeological middens on island, commonly known as uh, Calusa Indian mounds, or they're at least attributed to the Calusa Indians because they're the last archaic civilization to have been really credited for use of of those Indian mounds. Mm -hmm. And it's uh,
1: basically shells that they. It's uh, correct. It's a collection of
2: of shells, which they they use the shells for both uh, food source as well as tools. Mm -hmm. Um, And over thousands of years you collect enough shells and you have some pretty significant piles but the mounds also doubled uh of course as elevation for right. for disasters and and i believe there was also some religious significance and you know get you closer to the gods the mm. higher you are so and oh by the way you also have some protection from hurricanes so yeah uh those indian mounds are on yuseppa and it, it's actually the reason why Yuseppa has the highest point in elevation in all of Lee County. Right. Uh, really? Uh, that's true. That's an I interesting thought that fact. Was not a mm-hmm.
1: trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I'll be giving you a, a, <laughs> yeah, a quiz that's on Yuseppa awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. at the end of this. But, uh, so th- so these Indian mounds create elevation on our little island, mm-hmm. which has allowed certain pieces of property, not all pieces of property, to be out of the floodway. And even if there was a mortgage, they that, wouldn't need flood insurance on our little 100-acre island. That's very is, impressive. Which is pretty mind-blowing. But uh, there's been a series of archaeological digs uh, on the island uh, there, uh, in the mid-late 80s and into the early 90s. Um, where findings of of human remains were carbon dated back ten thousand years. Right. Wow. Now that's the turn of the last ice age, and that is actually before Usupa was an island. Uh, the 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 Gulf coastline at that time was some thirty miles, I want to say, to our west. That's so right. Usupa was part of mainland Florida mm-hmm. at mm. that time, and and there there were inhabitants of of that area for whatever reason. Um and the history just evolved from there to the Calusas, uh, to the Cubans. Um, before the 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 federal government, the 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 United States federal government recognized the value in Florida, especially Gulf Coast Florida. Florida was essentially the. Uh, the last frontier, it was Indian country. They ran all the Indians south into Florida mm-hmm. uh, and the areas south of Lake Okeechobee mm-hmm. were uncharted territories. Yeah. The seminoles, yeah. Right. And and it really wasn't I mean, going back to the eight, I think it was like the mid nineteenth century, the the rail the the railways didn't even go any further south than Punagorda. Right. Um so Florida was uh, Florida was, in the Fed's mind, unusable land. And that's when the whole drain the swamp, drain Florida efforts began, where they started carving canals into every right. uh, possible place. So to,
1: unregulated. It's crazy to think oh, about what they did.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they just started digging and digging and digging and, and mm-hmm. draining off uh, the land to try to create um, uh, developable uh, area, right And um, the Cubans uh, before the feds actually started seeing the, the value in Florida would, would come up from Cuba and they would fish <coughs> the Gulf Coast of Florida. And uh, they're, they're called now Cuban rancheros, uh, but they would create these fish houses in these areas where they would go and, and stay and fish during certain seasons. Mm-hmm. And at some point in history there was a Cuban ranchero and I forget his name. Uh, who controlled Yuseppa Island? Mm. Um, and then, after that, and of course, my uh, the, my timelines are probably off. But at some point in history, Baron Collier, the namesake for Collier, Collier County, County yep. uh, bought Yuseppa, which which makes sense because Collier uh, made an effort to to buy. Any coastal Southwest Florida coastal area with, with high elevation, and USEPA with the highest point of elevation yeah. in all Lee County, it, it was only fitting.
1: And then uh, he bought that as a private.
2: That was his island. That was right? his winter a residence. residence. Yeah, yep. Uh, so what we use now is our restaurant, the Collier Inn, was his, was his house. Was his house. And and he was really the the spearhead for the development of Southwest Florida, and by owning Usepa, He would call down his his business friends and and, and high rollers from the the northeast and they would ride the rails down to Punta Gorda and then they would get on a boat in the Peace River and the Peace River dumps out into Charlotte Harbor and USEPA is located just on the southern rim of Charlotte Harbor. Uh, So that was the entry into southwest Florida and that avoided people from having to get on a horse and carriage and trudge through the swamp to get down to Fort Myers, which is where Edison and Ford uh, were stations. So yeah. Collier essentially, at least in my mind, the way I see it, he utilized USEPA as his sales office for the development of Southwest oh, yeah. Florida. That's mm-hmm. true. And along the way, of Took course, he, he bought and destroyed uh, Marco Island. Uh, Marco Island <laughs> right. was at one point. Uh, really one of the most significant archaeological sites mm. in all of That's true. Uh, the Gulf Coast. And uh, it was raised to the ground. And, and, of course, condos were grown there. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Marco Island is really a, a black eye when it comes to the, the history of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and look at it today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Paradise. Oh, right.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, certain amount of sarcasm. There. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So, and then Collier's house now. So, the restaurant's downstairs, and then upstairs, there's hotel rooms. Is that what's correct?
2: You know? we, we have, there's seven single rooms uh, in the Collier Inn, which uh, are rented out to club members. Uh, mm-hmm. But we also have a scattering of other single rooms around the island. Right. And, uh, all property owners are allowed if they want uh to enter their units into the club's rental program which is made available to USEPA island club members so can come and rent uh, an accommodation from a simple single room to a large single family right. home. But
0: that's just only open to members, correct? That's correct. Mem- yeah. Members and members guests. Right. So you can be a member on the island without being an owner. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. That yeah.
0: That's really the
2: uh, the basis of our membership roster, non-USEPA uh, resident members mm-hmm. who maintain membership simply to have access to the island. So, the club, mm-hmm. so you
1: can use a, come out and then use the uh, restaurant, into the, the marina. Pool. I, exactly. They can use they. You have um, cro- is it croquet? No, bocce. No. Well, we have both. Okay.
2: It, yeah. We started with croquet. Croquet was. Uh, <laughs> For years, USEPA was one of the premier croquet destinations. And not everybody knows it, but there is a uh, a whole croquet community out there with an international ranking system and all the rest. You have to wear <laughs> croquet whites to play. You absolutely do. Uh, yeah. And they took it very, very seriously for many, many years. And there were international croquet tournaments on Yuseppa and, and all the rest. These wow. days, it's more casual. Most of the croquet being played is, is, is much more casual. Casual. Many of our uh, new residents are younger, and they tend to play croquet after dark. They pull their golf carts up around the lawn, turn on their lights, and <laughs> turn on music and drink heavily, and, and that's croquet. Sounds like fun. <laughs> uh, but we installed some bocce ball courts as well, right. and and it, there's there's limited space, of course, and mm-hmm. we we can't really inundate it with. Uh, every activity right. out there. We have Be- tennis too. We we also have tennis. Yeah, uh, and a tennis pro. Yeah, there there is a tennis pro that'll yeah. come out there during during seasons. So we we try to cover as many realms as we reasonably can. And,
0: and at one point, there was actually a couple of golf holes on the
2: island, wasn't mm-hmm. there? Right. It. it I want to say it was in the mid twenties into the into the thirties. There was I think it was like a nine hole golf mm-hmm. course. Oh, wow, uh, really? Out there and you know back then i i, I mean between the golf and, and all the shooting people did uh if it wasn't upright on two legs it had a bullseye on it back then right. uh, so <laughs> a lot of sportsmen and women would come down to usepa uh to target
3: tarpon
0: right and yes. the, tar- the home of the uh was it sports
3: fishing yeah, yeah. sports yeah. fishing was yeah, created that's Tarpon Bay is named after the tarpon
1: down here. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah the 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 first tarpon on hook and line was caught at at some point in the 19th century. I forget the mm-hmm. year. Um and and that fish or maybe one other soon after was displayed. I think at the World's Fair in Chicago and that just started lighted this. up this this Sports obsession uh, in in catching tarpon. So tarpon fishing was the first draw of tourism to Southwest Florida before beaches and sunbathing were, were really anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what brought people down to this area was to, to target tarpon. And, and that's what USEPA became known for because of course we're only four miles south of Boca Grande Pass, uh, the, the premier tarpon fishing destination in the world or so it's been, been known as. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fishing guides would come over from Boca Grande uh, to pick up the uh, the folks staying on UCEPA, and then they would go out and catch tarpon, and they're still. Uh Old skin mounts of, of right. scales, on t- right? T- right.
0: They yeah, were talk about the scales.
1: That that was kind of like your trophy, wasn't it?
2: Right. the The tradition was uh, when you catch it, when you caught a tarpon back then they would they would collect a scale, and of course you know they killed everything. Uh, to to take a picture with the fish required the fish being out of the water forever, uh, so that just about everything died. But they they would collect these scales as talismans of their of their mm-hmm. catch and. And they would write on the scale, uh, the, the fisherman or woman's name, uh, the weight and the date that it was caught. And um, those scales were pinned up to the walls of what was then the Isaac Walton Club bar that was within the hotel that mm-hmm. once ex- existed on the north end of our island. Uh, called the Tarpon Inn. Right. And the Tarpon Inn was eventually destroyed in 1935 by that massive 35 hurricane that that skirted the west coast of Florida. It's still known today, I think, as the strongest hurricane of record. Uh, but that, uh, that bar was uh, completely lined with these tarpon scales. So uh, in 1976, when the current owners, uh, Garfield and Sinai Beckstead took ownership of the island, they bought a 100-acre overgrown island in the middle of Pine Island Sound with five or six buildings that, right. that were constructed between the years, you know, late 1800s to early yeah. 1900s. When they bought
1: it, it, was in a bad state of disrepair. It,
2: it? Exactly. Do you
1: know what attracted them to the island? What? Like, they saw a vision, I'm guessing.
2: It, it was really the island itself. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I could... Probably get really distracted and go down a whole other rabbit <laughs> hole um, But Gar was involved with the Mariner Group, which was a development group involved with, you know, Sanibel Captiva among, among many other yeah. things, South Seas, uh, and uh, they were uh, the Mariner Group at one time owned USEPA. and that's how Garfield became aware of what USEPA was. And that began, that began his obsession, that it, it became his life's obsession to uh, develop and turn Yuseppa into what he saw in his mind's eye,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: which was essentially an island paradise. Um, they, they truly fell head over heels in love with the history, the ambiance, and the I- environment of it. And their ultimate goal was to preserve it while also being able to, to share it Utilize with others. It, so right. so the development of the island was done uh, in an effort to preserve the history, to preserve the environment, mm-hmm. uh, to not overbuild. Yeah. Uh, and there are protections in place in the restrictive covenants uh, that would hopefully prohibit some other entity out there uh, in targeting USEPA and you know, a bl- we don't want people to think that they can come over there and just reinvent the wheel. They, they can't. So mm-hmm. the, the island and its integrity has been preserved thanks yeah, to uh, the backsteads. Um, <clears throat> but the, the tarpon scales uh, remained on island over all the years of history. And when Garfield and Sinai took ownership You know they they started assessing all these rundown buildings that they owned and uh, started exploring through it and they found an old clawfoot bathtub in in one of the rooms and that bathtub was filled to the brim with these old tarpon scales Mm. uh, with names and dates on them and they preserved them they they, I mean, there's hundreds of these mahogany right. Right. wood. Right, they're mounted on these um, wood plaques. Yeah, they? <laughs> they they turned them into plaques and epoxyed over them, and and they're all over the island, mm-hmm. um, which is just fun. I mean, you go around yeah. and you say, "Oh my gosh, this 170 pound tarpon was caught in 1924 by <laughs> right. this one woman or whatever." E yeah. W Griswold or, <laughs> right. or some uh, some such name, and mm-hmm. you know, my brother and I have. Uh, in the past at least looked at some of the names and we've researched some of these characters and and these were high rollers these were heavy hitters back Mm -hmm. in the day so yuseppa attracted some uh some really really big money early on which spurned the the development of southwest florida and Mm -hmm.
0: it was a lot of people that wanted to be uh low-key incognito politicians people like that people that didn't want to be in the limelight yeah, o- over the years, we well we attract an eclectic bunch.
2: Um, there is no doubt about that. We we attract folks who, in most cases, have no desire to um, to really draw a lot of attention.
1: Mm-hmm. They're yeah.
2: they're not hey look at me type of people. Mm-hmm. They they don't come out there so they can talk about how important they are uh, in the real world. And it it is a low key kind of place where. You know, most of us just don't care what what you do on the mainland, mm-hmm. and I mean, if if you're out there, you're there for a reason, yeah. and and in most cases, the, the you learn more about people after getting to know them for a while. If you just do your own research, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting folks mm-hmm. who end up out there. Um,
1: and the
0: the the hotel, if you haven't seen the hotel, which I think the tour, if you go from McCarthy's Re- Marina, will take you to the hotel and the restaurant. It's a really historical place and incredible bit of history still part of the island that's uh that's there today one of the yeah, best parts that's so. awesome yeah, yeah
2: it's it's a lot of fun uh to to be involved with and i i'm a history buff too and and i love florida history and um there's actually some some recent books that came out where you is a pretty big part in it the gulf uh is a comprehensive uh look at the gulf coastal regions of of uh north america oh, and also okay. Uh, a, a book named The Swamp, uh, author's last name is Griswold, Grumwald. Um, and The Swamp is really a, a, a good look at what has transpired in Florida over, over the course of history. Uh, and of course, a big topic uh, in our state is 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 water, you know, our, our clean water issues. And there's a reason why we have water issues. And it started back in the uh, the mid-19th century when people started looking at Florida as, you know, a, a real gem. Mm-hmm. And when the efforts to develop Florida south of the lake started, you know, they started digging canals. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but that was the start of our water issues. Mm-hmm. It's 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 been blamed on it on big ag because they're the most... Um, most obvious, I guess, benefactor or, or person who or entity that has benefited from yeah. the the region south of the lake, and and they're know,
1: still in existence today, I guess. And the they're making sale. money, but yeah. you know what?
2: I I, I think Big Mouse uh, Disney uh, <laughs> has just <laughs> as, has just as Mouse. Much, <laughs> has, has just as much to blame because they're right up there in the Kissimmee Delta, and water flows south. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but. The 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 existing communities uh, that wouldn't have existed if not for uh, dredging, Cape yeah. Coral is just one example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Coral is um, a whole story on its own. Yeah. We have um, we have manipulated the environment mm-hmm. and the landscape over the course of 150 right. years to and allow our, price, our, yeah to allow ourselves to live in these gated communities with these manicured lawns mm-hmm. that are overwatered, overfertilized year round to sit back behind your computer and blame big ag. Yeah. That's so true. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a collective problem. Right. It, it there, there, there's no one entity that, yeah. that is to blame. And uh, thank,
1: thank goodness it's coming to light now with all like captains for clean water and all uh, these uh, wonderful uh, organizations. Uh,
2: exactly. It. I mean, it, because if there's, if there's nobody asking questions, if mm-hmm. there's no pressure being put on, um, the powers that be, there's, there's not going to be anything and and I've noticed personally and I spent a lot of time on the water out there uh, ever since the the water issues have become a political topic of conversation mm-hmm. things have changed yeah now they're 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 not vocalizing it or 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 making it known to everybody but for whatever reason over the last couple of years our water clarity has been better and a lot
0: of it is to do with the colonel that's in charge of the um, Army Corps Army Corps of Engineers he's been he just retired and they've just handed over to another guy that's just taken over in the last couple of months and I think they've done a good job of Change it. there's definitely a change and I think we mm-hmm. can even see it in our backyard you can look into the river water and it's definitely been clearer over the last couple of years yeah, than, yeah. Than it was before mm-hmm. so
2: something's changed and you know there there have been drastic changes over the decades that I've grown up fishing Pine Island Sound I mean the, the depletion of the turtle grass beds is is the most obvious to me I mean when when turtle grass starts going away there's a reason uh, the depletion of, of healthy uh, oyster beds uh, is another sure sign. I mean, the mouth of the Clouse River, even when I was growing up, uh, was littered with uh, living oyster beds where now they're just dead lumps, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and the Sanabel Captiva or the, the Sanibel Causeway Spoil Islands certainly uh, redirected flow. And 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 just change things, mm-hmm. you know. There's there's, there's, a, there's a there's a domino effect uh, of of every manipulation of the landscape and the environment, and it takes a while for that to catch up. So mm-hmm. um, we're I think experiencing the the results of uh, over 150 years of just uh, full court press development, yeah. mm-hmm. and and yeah, it's it's starting to catch up and. You know, we're we're smart to get on top of it, or right. to try to reel it back in, yeah. uh, to try to salvage it. Now, hopefully, the solutions um, solve more p- problems than they create, um, and and that's going to be a, a constant
0: battle. Um, yeah, just check. Make sure you check out the Captains for Clean Water, and there's lots lots of other organizations out there if you want to get involved it's a great cause and something we're passionate about so definitely look into it if it's something you're interested in
3: yeah. I have a question yes. is all the buildings being white is that an ordinance or is on that Yuseppa. an unspoken rule on YousePA? That's an element of, of our restrictive covenants. So there, Mm -hmm. there are
2: architectural guidelines as well as an architectural review board uh, to oversee what is done with the buildings out there. And one of the uh, architectural restrictions is that buildings must be a shade of white in color. Uh, There are, there is one house out there that is yellow. Uh, and that house is actually, uh, right near, we, we have a very large, very old Banyan tree on our beach. It's very picturesque. Uh, and that house is located, uh, right next to that Banyan tree. It's called aptly named Banyan. Uh, that house was painted yellow in 1976. Um, the deed restrictions or restrictive covenants were put into effect in 1978. Uh, so that house was grandfathered it's, it's <laughs> Was that still... in
3: reaction to a yellow house being put there you or? know I don't know, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know
2: well that i I guess another alternative to a shade of white would be natural wood siding we We have two houses out there that uh have i i think it's cedar uh mm. siding, so they're brown uh but the yellow house is still yellow it was uh bought it's it's one of five uh, of the original guest houses on the Island that Baron Collier created the first year on the tax rolls, 1912. Uh, so this is a historic home and it was bought by a a family from St. Louis, uh in in the 70s not long at they they're one of our first owners mm. on island um and the family still owns it today they they're still hanging uh, in with yep.
3: the yellow are they allowed <laughs> to repaint the same shade or if they could go to repaint like they must have repainted it in the last 50 years oh, right oh yeah yeah so they're so they're, they're the allowed yellow. to stick with the yellow shade yep but We're they really couldn't go to. with a different shade I don't think so no right. oh boy that that would that would stir the
2: pot <laughs> exactly. oh my gosh another so that,
1: thing i love talk about the pink path that you have
2: the the pink path uh, the pink promenade pathway uh has been out there really since collier's years i, mm. I don't know when exactly it was installed but it's the main thoroughfare or, or walkway yeah. from the north end of the island and, and it goes direct to the collier end and and in more modern history it was continued all the way to the south end of the uh to the island but uh, this this pink colored concrete like a,
1: it's like a sidewalk i guess
2: right it and i could probably make some stuff up but i <laughs> I, I believe it was it, it was created with coquina shells mm. and there was a pink hue to the coquina shells when it right. was made so it has this pink color
1: yeah
2: um and uh the the historic pathway is still there i mean it's cracked there's all sorts of trip hazards. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's a common topic of discussion history and annual town hall right. meetings, but it's a part of history. Yeah. And, and a, you know, our, our, our goal is to preserve history. So we don't want to rip up the hundred year old pink path and lay down an, uh, a new modern pink path. Although the attorneys would probably appreciate that.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And you can't have the golf carts on there, correct? So you can just, is that right? Well, yeah, there's portions
2: of the pink path where golf carts are not allowed. But the the more modern southern pink path is is is. a golf cart uh, road, I guess, if if you will. Right. Mm And uh, then
1: somebody has done like vegetation markers too which I love. You can walk the path and see Yeah, they're, the It's vegetation. like a
2: self-guided uh, botanical tour yeah. where there's signs that it really helps me when I'm on real estate tours and people
0: ask what kind of tree is that <laughs> and I just glance down. down at the sign and <laughs> act like I know what I'm talking about or I just make something up. Right. So you got the museum, you've got the uh you've got all the uh, the botanical walk, the historical walk, you've got one thing that we didn't talk about is there's an avid uh sailing sailing racing community there that does a weekly race around the island yeah. during season yeah, right. what sort of boats are they there this is
2: about the extent of my knowledge of these sailboats they are marshall cat boats
0: okay marshall cat they're not catamarans. <laughs> they're just like monohull for yeah. maybe 20 22 feet long it, it took they me take a couple it very years seriously. Yeah.
2: They, they, they love to <laughs> sail. There's no doubt about it. And, 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 much of our population, uh, come from the new England and that's a big sailing community. And, and of course they, uh, they brought it down to USEPA and over the years, uh, every winter season, the, the property owners pull their, their cat boats out of storage and they, uh, put them on anchor buoys along the Eastern shoreline and they, have uh, regattas every saturday uh, <laughs> so they
1: just race around the island is that what they do they, they-
2: i mean they they set up buoys out into into pine island sound mm. and they they race each other and
0: then they get drunk afterwards on the beach <laughs> and it's incredible these are all exactly the same boats and we were lucky enough to go on one of the races and uh it's incredible how far ahead some of these people get away from the pack i mean they're their quality, so I don't know how they do it. It's the, all the same boats, and their there, there is,
2: there, there are some folks out there who come from a lineage of competitive sailors, mm. and um, the I, I guess the comp, the the sailing competitiveness in in New England is, um, is pretty intense. So right. these are these are known families where you know, <laughs> it it, it's serious. outside of my it's it's outside of my realm. I never. Yeah. The only sailing I ever did over the years was when one of my my buddies, my best friend growing up, Kyle, he's the one who got me into marine construction. And we we liked finding fun things to do on the water. And most people would think, well, sailing, it doesn't really strike me as something a couple 22-year-old guys who push hundred foot long tug or barges with tugboats and do all sorts of stuff would really fun find fun. But when you have a twenty-five-foot junky sailboat and you wait specifically until the worst summer squalls spool up to go out sailing is fun. I mean, sailing is fun. fun oh, when you when goodness. you do it that way. Yeah. And, and so that that's my sailing experience. Most of the time, I like to have some sort of combustion and engine underneath. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, yeah,
3: right.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Much yeah. easier that way, isn't it? So, yeah. So
1: fascinating. Well, uh, we're what, gonna
0: have some content coming up. We've got so much stock footage of the islands that Max and I should definitely go out there and make a film about the islands. So make sure you like it's and subscribe, so and then beautiful. we'll. We'll I mean, be releasing something. The
1: tro- it is tropical paradise the palm trees with the white houses and the pink path and oh, the, oh. The you you would and have
2: a, you you absolutely should come out there and do a comprehensive overview of you yeah, where, where you could talk to property owners you could talk uh to a variety of people out there and yeah. you know you you would have some story. great some great content yeah. i mean yeah we should do it we should do it my uh my broker my boss uh and I oftentimes are just sitting you out there. You need to write a book. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Yes. It, it would be. You could de- do the last seller. couple of words.
1: Right. <laughs> you could do but, the last sentence of the book. <laughs>
2: but we, we probably say to one another at least once or twice a week, you just can't make this stuff up. Right. No, I bet. I mean, no, I bet. It, yeah. because we, we navigate our way through one totally unique situation just to be blindsided but by the, the next. next. Yeah. And what happened two weeks ago is already forgotten. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's incredible but plus
1: one interesting fact it was a training ground for the bay of pigs is that that's correct so
2: it, at some point in the 60s the cia or the feds got some semblance of control maybe they owned it i, I forget uh but they used UCEPA as uh the environment by which they would train the uh the bay of pigs like, invaders Invasion, yeah. the 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 troops who who went into cuba and you know my my recollection of the actual history is a little dim, um, but they housed these individuals on USEPA as though it was a mock invasion because the environment was about right. And I don't know exactly what it is they did. Mm-hmm. It didn't turn out well. <laughs> it never out well. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, right it, the, just, they they were there. They right? were there for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah incredible history. Oh um, gosh, yeah, yeah. So it goes on and on and on. Yeah, and we, we should definitely we definitely need to make a video about the place and and uh, so look out for it on the channel. Max, I understand you have got a couple of questions. Here comes how, did you know? Time. how did you know? How did you know? You
1: ready for trivia? Right? All right. Well, yeah, every you
3: guys, <laughs> I get trivia. <laughs> You guys uh, managed to answer some of my trivia questions already. Oh, good. So as as I had to edit. Calm. I edited one of them on the fly. But uh, my first question was: After Baron Collier, Rogan, you got to write it down because Laurie's uh, been known to cheat. So you're Laurie's not going to need to write an this one down. Okay. okay. After Baron Collier abandoned the island, it was used as a military base in this swine-based invasion. <laughs> in what country? <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> we got it. Cuba. Bay Bayfix, 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 Bayfix. Bayfix. All, All right. Well. well Thanks for giving the answer Ruining away, Mom. Eye, yeah. Mom, I, we, made it, we made it 53 minutes without you giving away an answer. <laughs> and you ruined it at the last second. Sorry. All right. And then this one I had to edit, too, because we talked about Baron Collier already. But uh, the island of Yuseppa was first developed by a Mr. John M. Roach before he sold it to a locally famous land tycoon, Baron Collier. Mm. In what year did he acquire the island?
1: This is Roach.
3: Mr. Roach. He was it, a. Let me look. He was he is a, a, sub, a Chicago streetcar magnate. Uh, mm-hmm. Right.
1: He did advertising on streetcars or something. Uh, yeah. Like that. Or okay. maybe In what year
3: did, did he acquire identity. it? Okay. I got it.
1: You do not. I know his
3: brother. Yeah, you know <laughs> his brother. <laughs> yeah, we went to school together. <laughs> Rogan, you got any idea? I've got an idea. All right. Has everyone got an answer? I've got an idea. All right i
1: don't have
3: any idea all right go on rogan what you let you go you go first what you got uh i have 1853
1: 1853 i put
3: 1895 i put 1902 1894 is the answer that would be me you're the new membership director. congratulations so he was the one and all my emails so he was he was the one who built the hotel i guess because oh, okay. his friends convinced him, I'm just reading from the website right now, but his friends convinced him <laughs> to build a hotel so they could come join him on his island. That uh, sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, I got some friends like that, too. <laughs>
2: they um, want
1: you to build a hotel? <laughs> yeah, just give me
3: something to do, be right. your responsibility, you pay for it, but it'll be
2: fun for us. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> and, love it.
3: And then after that, Baron Collier acquired it and then did Love everything that we talked about earlier.
2: Yeah, that seems yeah. fair. I mean, if it's online, it's true.
1: Yes. yes. Agree, yes. It is on
2: the
3: yusepaislandclub.com.
2: <laughs> oh, there we
1: go. Yeah.
3: I, I probably wrote <laughs> that. <I> <laughs> <forgot> <laughs> <to> say, <so. laughs> That's funny. Okay. All right. All right, last question. Okay. Yusepa Island had is historically had some damn big names visiting in its heyday. One being this president
1: was the dam is
3: that emphasis on the dam
1: oh okay i think i've got it
2: i mean there's i think there's more than one answer to this yeah. but.
3: there's definitely probably more than one yeah presidential visitor but this one uh, is a damn big name <laughs> okay <laughs> i got it
1: uh, has rogan written anything it's written in my head
3: i uh, roosevelt nope mom
1: i put hoover
0: Oh the Hoover Dam. Herbert re- Hoover really cheat now, but I'm not like Laurie, so I, right. I actually put Roosevelt. Yeah, I'm well, sure I yeah, there was
3: probably many presidential sure visitors Roosevelt in the Heyday.
0: Too.
2: Yeah, there well, there's there's been some visitors out there. Uh Carter was out there not too long ago. Really? Uh, yeah, well, I'm talking 15, 20 years ago, mm. but right. uh, he made an appearance out there. Uh, the Bush family, they they're known to play around on, on Boga Grand. Um Mm -hmm. They may have showed up out out there at some point. Uh, We don't really attract many huge names. Really? Uh, The celebrity, people often ask me, what celebrities come out here? It's like, well, I guess all of our visitors are famous in their own minds in one way or another, but, <laughs> you know, the, the, Hey, look at me type people don't generally come out there. Yeah. Um, we do attract some, some newsies, uh, some news anchors over the years uh, mm-hmm. have been members. Um, and, and a lot of times our the, the big name visitors come by way of Boca Grand, you know, Boca Grand has just exploded. It mm. is It seems like there's no price people won't pay to, to be on Boca Grand and over the recent wow. years, it's the, about
0: four miles north of
2: yep four four miles north and and over recent years the the billionaires have been pushing the millionaires off of, uh, off of Boca grand so the whole landscape has been really really changing really there's wow. yeah there, there's a lot of very interesting um, characters running around right now
3: wow. wow 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 well i hate to admit it but i guess mom won by default but, uh, th- yeah, that's the extent of my questions. Okay, that's excellent. Good. All right. I get got none right. <laughs> 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 I, tr- I tried to write them
0: in your favor, Rogan. That's... <laughs> I try a little bit harder. <laughs> well, right, thank Dad you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah. Much appreciated. And yeah, we should do it again same. sometime for sure. Absolutely. Thanks um, for having And me. once again, make sure you l- mention in the comments below or drop us an email. What's the email, Max? Uh, the Sandcap guide at gmail.com. If yep. you've got any ideas for people that want to come on the uh, podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Um, any questions you've got, we'd love to answer them for you. So uh, yeah, please like, and subscribe. Make sure you come back and check it out. Yeah. And if um,
1: you're interested in a house.
0: Yes. How can they, they get, hold get hold, hold of? Yeah. The, the, uh, I'll sell you a house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can get your membership through Rogan. Yeah. yeah. The, the
2: memberships right now is worth, worth touching on. Yeah. Um, we ended up capping our membership uh this past well last may uh we reached our total cap so uh right now we're accepting applications that go on a waiting list okay uh and then we activate accounts as we have existing accounts can- canceled so this is actually uh, a, a major step in the history of USEP. it's the first time in our modern history where we've reached our cap to the point that membership is closed Wow um, it was it was a goal of mine when I started in 2016 I didn't think it would really happen uh, but I also didn't expect a pandemic
1: right
2: uh, and apparently <laughs> private islands off the coast of Florida do well in, in, the in, pandemic. in the pandemics. <laughs> um, so you can apply you can find the application on our website usepa And that's where you can also find real estate listings.
0: uh, And I'd be happy to sell you something. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thanks very much, Rogan. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks very much to our sponsors Captains for Clean Water, Bailey's General Store, Doc Ford's and Grill, Spoondrift Island Bowls, Three Crafty Ladies, Gator Bites, Tail and Priscilla's of Sanibel. Okay, so Icabana, Suncatcher's Dream, and Coco Icabana. Sanibel- That's why I said, "Sorry, Coco no, Icabana." Did not. <laughs> Suncatcher's Dream and Sanibel Carts. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thank you.